Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Today on the Recruitment Flex, we have a special guest. Katrina Collier is the author of the fabulous book, The Robot Proof Recruiter. But before we introduce Katrina, I'd like to welcome my co-host, Shelly Billinghurst. How's it going, Shelly? It's going great, Serge. I'm excited about today's episode. I think we all are. So how about you introduce us to Katrina? Thank you. I think I will. Katrina, uh, Katrina, welcome. She is the author of the book, The Robot Proof Recruiter. Very good book, by the way, Katrina. Uh, She is also chief searchologist at The Searchologist, co-host of the social recruiting show. Katrina is a facilitator and a speaker, and she is also someone who went over to New York City, and after she presented her Disrupt HR talk there, she brought the whole Disrupt HR movement back over the pond to London. Um, Katrina also, very exciting, has just launched a mastermind program. So, wow, that's a lot. Katrina, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I, do, I sound exhausting. <laughs> I have no time left to do anything else. Good job I don't have kids. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, thank, I know, thank you. I'm super excited. Not really excited to have you on. So I'm curious, like everyone I talk to that's in recruitment, they either kind of fell into it. So what's your story? How did you get into recruitment? Uh, I, I completely fell into it. Sorry, <laughs> Shelley. <laughs> no, I did too. <laughs> it was funny. So I, um, I, I think I was on, I'm on Korea. Oh, well, I don't, well, let's not count 15 to 20 at Kentucky Fried Chicken. That probably doesn't count. Um, but, you know, I was, I was in the bank and then I was in the motor trade and then I met my ex-husband. He wasn't, obviously, he became my husband, then my ex-husband. But he, he's here in London. So I moved from Australia to London and I saw this tiny little advertisement in a newspaper, of all things, uh, with about six words, you know, trainee recruitment consultant. I went, oh, I can do that. Why not? And applied. And I literally fell into it. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, the first company was so dodgy. It's a wonder it didn't put me off. The second one was okay. And then the third one completely found my niche spent five years doing tech recruitment, all contract, all fast, loved it. Then, of course, that wonderful little global recession hit in 2008, nine. Uh, So that's when I left and set up on my own. And the idea was I'm going to teach social media recruitment, but I was too early. Mm. (laughs) It was just like, because I was sort of thinking, well, everyone's popping up on LinkedIn and I'm using it for recruitment. Why don't I just teach it? Yeah, a bit early. So I went in-house for 18 months but spent the whole time recruiting without using an agency, which showed me I could do it. So then I came out and was training from 2012 onwards. But then Kogan Page asked me if I'd like to write a book. And the little inner child glee came out and out came the robot proof recruiter because I was like, right, I have to finally tell people that technology will not replace us. So that's what happened. And then since then, I've been facilitating and speaking. So is this your last career? And you no, fell into I it. This is recruiting your life's work, basically. Do you know what? Getting the people that recruit people, whoever they are, be that HR recruiters or hiring managers, to treat people better is actually my overall mission. Mm. So I've really realized writing the book, one, how big the recruiter's job is now. I mean, it's freaking enormous thanks to the internet because yeah. at any point through the entire hiring cycle, if somebody doesn't treat someone right, you can't recruit because it's just written on the internet. Um, but I thought, actually, I can make more impact if I can get to those hiring managers 
Now, I know the mastermind has come out and aimed much more at you know, the recruiters who really need to rev up their human skills. But the next step is more facilitation with those hiring managers as well, because I think there'll be a bigger impact. So I'm still in it, but I'm like getting further into the fringes of it. <laughs> if that makes sense. I'm certainly further away from day-to-day recruitment, which actually was something I was really aware of writing the book and which is why there are so many contributors to the book, which is why I love it so much. It's such a community effort because I couldn't was. sit here and say, Shelley, this is how you recruit when I haven't yeah. recruited for a while. And I thought that was really important. And that, you know, I, I have to say the way you constructed the book, um, I just loved it, especially the at the end of the chapters, kind of the little summaries. And I mean, mm. that's so great to just kind of, you know, there's times where you just need to put a, a sticky tab on there. Yeah. Um, you know, and, I, and so you touched just a moment ago, you, you brought up the topic of social media and where mm. it fits into the recruitment world. So, you know, when, when you think about, and again, we're talking, um, you know, you were very early if you were talking social <laughs> media recruitment in 09, um, for sure. Um, but share with us what you feel is maybe one or two of the big mistakes that recruiters make uh, when using social media. They're still making it, which is just oh, extraordinary. Okay. So when so they you, bought your book. <laughs> yeah, silly, silly people. By the way, the royalties from my book, yeah. I have donated to a charity, I so I plug it a lot. Um, so yes. I literally every second I get because of where the royalties go. Um, but, you know, you and I were pre the internet explosion. So yeah. really what happened was LinkedIn was already on the scene. But come that 2000, 2000 and, sorry, 2008, 2009, poof, everyone went online because poof, everyone was without a job, right? So really that's where the, all the access shifted and companies could get access. But before that, we sort of had online job boards. Mm-hmm. So social media explodes in the late, two, uh, in the no- noughties, aren't they? Always sounds weird saying that, um, like we're all naughty children. But in the, the late 2008, 2009, and recruiters used it as a job board, and they still are. So you still get those posts all over LinkedIn and Twitter that are like job, 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 job. They haven't. There's still people out there that haven't learned to engage with social media, use that social bit. So I still mm. see that, surprisingly. And then, of course, right now, there's still a lot of... Um, boohooing like it's a really really tough time for everybody believe me all of my income went out the window when COVID hit it's like gone out the door and actually because of social distancing it's probably gone to like next year so I get it and it's very easy to go online and sort of you know have a pity party but I think that recruiters have to be very aware that it's not about them they need to be paying it forward helping the community thinking about their approach to people and I still see well, pre and post, I still see that, you know, yeah. me, 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 me. And people are like, oh, you can't. The people that succeed using social media are all about community and paying it forward. So we talk a lot about the recruiter and how they can leverage social media to basically enhance their brand. I'm just curious. Um, so say a recruiter has done a really good job of enhancing their own personal brand, but they work for a firm, either a recruitment agent, agency or a corporation that has a really crappy employer brand how should that recruiter approach changing that employment brand i think much as this isn't really employer brand but those reviews aren't they amazing feedback i mean i think of the times that i have left companies actually actually when i left the recruitment agency all those years ago my exit interview from the company was 
in the uh, elevator, as you guys call it. Um, yeah. And it was HR went, oh, we hear you're leaving. That was it. Oh. Right. And also at that time, you wouldn't say anything negative because you'd get, you wouldn't get a reference. Right. But now, of course, we have Glassdoor and Indeed and Kanunu and, you know, all the other sites where people can go and bench. So that would be a great place to start, you know, f- showing the company, showing the CEO, this is our reputation. Mm. Now, if you've got a consistent thread all the way through, which people often do, there's something wrong. There's something that needs to be fixed. So I would start by fixing it. I certainly wouldn't be sticking a plaster over it and pretending because you don't want people to start working for you and then realize it's toxic and leave. Yeah. So I, I would start there. I think it is brilliant evidence. Um, I would look at all of the review sites and including Google Maps because if I was going to write a pants review, I would write it on Google Maps. <laughs> um, do you find it? So the interesting part of it is do you find – so anonymous reviews on the internet yeah. are not always the most reliable. So basically what are you saying is we should be looking for trends in those reviews yeah. or is there a particular thing that – when you see it automatically raises a red flag for you. I think it's looking for the trend. You know, if you've got seven or eight, nine reviews that are written over two years that say the management suck, then the management suck. You know, if it's a one-off, somebody was fired and, you know, they're having a vent. Yeah. They're just it's really, off. I mean, it's like when we purchase something, isn't it? You go through all the reviews. Yeah. You know, sure. like so, somebody's written me the most hilarious two-star review of my book and it's like but I never said I was going to write about that so why are you complaining I didn't write about that so <laughs> that that sort of stuff's quite funny so but people can kind of get that gist they can read through and, and see that all the other reviews have a theme so mm-hmm. but it's a starting place I mean obviously you should be doing employee engagement surveys and backing up the evidence that you find there but I just think it's a great start. I'd also look for tweets about your company. You know, are you looking after your clients as well? Because I don't think people are going to want to work for a company that doesn't look after its clients. So if they're not responding, it's definitely Mm. what I find interesting and I want your thoughts on it. So uh, definitely reading reviews, but I think this goes really well with your book is reading Mm. uh, the reviews on the hiring process. So if you go into the interview section on Glassdoor, I think that gives you really good insights of how well that recruitment team is functioning. What's your thoughts yeah. around that one? Oh, I mean, completely. And if you want to read some absolutely heartbreaking stuff is to do an x-ray search of Glassdoor. Uh, so sitecol and glassdoor.com slash interviews. I'm doing this off the top of my head. So if there are any errors, apologies. Inverted commas, never heard back. If you want to make it doubly bad, do employee referral in inverted commas and never heard back the highest quality of hire and they don't hear back. So you've got pissed off employee and pissed off candidate. You know, it's just, mm. yeah, it's quite shocking. Um, but the interview reviews are amazing. Um, also go into Twitter and just put in never heard back job or interview. Wow. And just how we treat people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I actually got this. Yeah. It's dreadful. I got this from James yeah. Ellis um, and I, I beautifully stole it and uh, constantly say it, but we are paying for somebody's time by giving them feedback. So if somebody even now, gets dressed, gets ready, sits in front of the computer and at least from their waist up looks immaculate for your interview. They've spent several hours getting ready, right? And then they interview through the stress of that. You, they deserve your time. And that was before, you know, they had to trek all the way to your offices to interview. So I just think, I just think it's so rude not to do that. But it, it will also show you, you know, where you can improve. And I would love recruiters as well to do a comparison. So if you've got a really bad 
employer brand and you know who your competitor is, why don't you go apply for a job there and see what the process is like or get somebody to do that for you, to step through. Can you actually apply? Are you actually putting technology there to help people apply, like if they're dyslexic, for example, or are you just making it difficult all the way through? So mm-hmm. I think there's so much you can do if you're just curious and go start hunting around the internet. Ah. All of the ammunition to mm. go and then present it to your hiring managers and go, what are we going to do about it? We're going to call Katrina. She does this great facilitator. Anyway, sorry. Oh, <laughs> well, actually, um, I think that is a perfect segue into, you know, there's there's two things that I know from my career uh, yeah. that, you know, even when I think about what is it that makes mm. the difference between a good recruiter and a great recruiter, and you just said it, it's curiosity. Oh, curiosity. So do, do you believe that that is, are people born with it? Like, or is this something they have, like, where do you get that from? I'm so curious. I can't answer that. Um, but I am a highly sensitive person. So one in, it was, sorry, uh, one in five, 20% of the population are highly sensitive people. So their normal five senses are raised above normal and they are incredibly curious people. So it's, mm. it's, I actually do have it in the gene pool. Okay. Um, so it's actually a tough one to ask, but I think yeah. it can be created. I think, so for example, on Sunday on Messenger, I, 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 I'm emphasizing that point. A recruiter messages me asking if they can do my recruitment. And I'm like, uh, but I don't recruit. And then he says, well, can you pass my details on to someone else? I'm like, no. no, because the first impression you just made on me is that you have no curiosity. You were lazy. You didn't go look at my profile and really understand what I do. Now, you only need to read my LinkedIn profile. It's very wordy. You can soon work out what I do, but they don't do that. So no, yeah, that's one of the things through the mastermind. I'll absolutely, I mean, there's a whole month of curiosity. Like we're going to get that in the muscle. Um, by, I'm going to sort of set them off on tracks to go and have to find stuff. Right. So you <laughs> so can really teach it, is what you're used saying. To, I hope so. That's what yeah. I'm planning okay. to do. Um, okay. I, I think once you understand how important it is to take the time, then you can. But again, I have it as such a natural gift. I'm not sure. I'll find out. I'll let you know. I'll okay. come back to you. Okay. <laughs> Do you know the I, other, the other, is it a skill or a natural talent? And, and that is the active listening. And, you know, when you're interviewing people, you will learn everything you need to know. If you listen, of course, you do need to craft great questions. Mm-hmm. Um, again, tied to curiosity. But do you believe yeah. that you can teach someone to be an active listener? Yeah. That one we have to be able to teach. Um, that uh, When I do that skill in the mastermind, I'm actually calling in my coach, Roderick, because I okay. need to get better at it myself. Um, but, you know, you're listening for what's not being said. You're listening for the stuff between the lines, those pauses in the conversation. Okay. Um, and I think you just have to be made aware. The trouble is we have this thing about the best recruiters and the best salespeople have the gift of the gab. No, they don't. The no. best salespeople and recruiters shut up. And listen, yes. they'll ask a really open question and sit back and wait for the information. They'll ask a bit more. They'll go, ooh, like you just did. Oh, you said that back over there. And I'm going to sh- go down this rabbit warren with that. So, yeah, we'll find out. Again, I have to come back and let you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I believe 
Yeah, so I think active listening can be taught, but curiosity, maybe, maybe, maybe is a natural. Okay. What do you think, Shelley? Well, so, you know, I think that, um, and I love how you put that because I've, you know, when I read your book, it was like, honestly, it was fangirl for me because you were saying <laughs> everything that I'm like, finally, there is somebody else out there who gets this. That's and <laughs> it's really about um, what they didn't say. And I've said for years that especially, so in certainly here in Canada, we still do reference checks. I don't know if it's the same over in Europe, but certainly here in Canada, we do reference checks. And I know more about what somebody didn't say than what they did say. Because oh, yeah. we have to, I mean, there's compliance and legal issues, et cetera, et cetera. But mm. when you're doing a reference, I believe that that is what, that is a skill that is really honed over time. So I believe it's because I worked at it for 20 years. Yeah. And when I don't, when I don't hear an enthusiastic, hell yes, you know, when I'm asking, would you hire this person again? Or if, you know, would you ever work for them again or work with them again? Um, it's what, it's not only what they didn't say, but how they said the it. tone of voice and the yes. excitement and the, yes. so, like the sit, up, the sit up energy, I call it like that buzz of, <gasps> yeah, I want to work with them again. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So, so, so give me one tip of how a recruiter can be a, a better active listener. So it, yeah. one oh. thing that they can improve right away. <laughs> I, it's that, it's the listening for what's not being said. Yeah like an awkward pause or a hesitation or a, like that tone of voice, mm. you know, are they showing genuine enthusiasm? Because what you're going to, and actually I was talking to a friend right now and she's actually had enough of running her own business anyway. And then this is hit and she's looking for a job, but what's going to happen is there will be people who are like, actually right now, I just can't run my business. I do need a job. And then there'll be employers hesitant to hire because are they really interested in the company or this is a stopgap until they can start their business up again. So I was saying to her, like, you're going to have to really know how to present yourself because the companies are going to be straight away skeptical. They're going to be listening for her genuine enthusiasm of wanting to work for the company, her real why, not what she's saying, what's showing almost through body language as well, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. quite a skill. Again, I'm not sure I'm the best person at it. I talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> So after, after, can you tell us if, um, how it went as far as if you can actually teach yeah. active listening? If yeah. I would definitely tell you, but yeah, we, let's heard... book this in the diary for 12 months, but I'm starting on the 3rd of June. With 3rd my of June, first, okay. Yeah. My first, I'm so excited about it. It's going to be so much fun. It's really immersive. And well, what tell I want more about it. Okay. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm like, I feel like I'm product pitching. Sorry. No, I'm, no, no, I'm go so ahead. excited we... about it. No, not at all. So, the, the idea is like a mastermind is just completely different. The idea is to get in 15 recruiters or HR, or actually basically anyone in that space, talent acquisition professionals with me facilitating them to come together once a month virtually from wherever. So for example, so far I've got the Netherlands, Bulgaria, Barbados, um, a couple from the UK so far for my first pod. And the idea is that they come together and we tackle one skill. So we're going to start with trust because I think it's so important for recruiters, right? That you genuinely are trustworthy because if you're not, the whole recruitment process is screwed, really. So I'm going to set tasks around that. We're going to discuss it. They're going to share their own ideas. And you're getting all the different versions of the idea coming together. And then like, we'll do trust. And I'm going to set them a challenge to run for the 30 days until the next one. 
and then we'll come together and we'll do, see how that one went, were there any problems, and then go into the next skill. That will be adaptability. And then on it goes. Mm. So the idea is at the end of 12 months, they've got it really in the muscle, not only from their pod peers keeping them accountable, but by practicing it every single day. And I, ju- I just think you can go to a training course, which is brilliant. I'm not saying not to, but often we don't implement it. Because even though we had the best intent, we get back and the workload comes in. It was like, oh God, what was she saying about trust? I can't remember. So the beautiful thing too, though, is being able to record them, right? So, yes. so eventually, not that I'm telling you how to run your business, but you no. know, I think too, it's, it's that micro learning and that being mm-hmm. able to go in and even just have like snippets and reminders, you know, yep. and, and because technology's uh, when it works, <laughs> Yeah, which is when it works. It's hairy great. today on this, yes, isn't it? <laughs> that's okay. You know, it could be us. It could be us. It's so yeah. a surge story. But also, um, what I'm going to do is get guests in. So um, yeah. when we do the active listening, like I said, I don't think it's my strength. So I've got um, Roderick's coming in, and that 10 minutes nice. will be something they can keep revisiting. So, yeah. and there's an amazing technology I'm using, Mastermind Manager, um, mm. which is just perfect for this. So I had I found that while I was at it. I'm super excited because there is nothing like it. There's lots of focus on uh, technical skills and sourcing and marketing and nothing on the human that's really like this that's so tangible. So we'll see. It's, oh. Yeah, it, there's definitely a need out there for sure. Yeah. We have it so focused on the practice of the pr- and the profession of recruitment. Yeah. 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 So... So we won't, we'll be future proof and human and robot proof because honestly, if all you're capable of doing is writing an in-mail, you know, you can be replaced by a robot. And you talk in your book a lot about LinkedIn and LinkedIn has really become kind of a crutch for many recruiters. And I'm exactly on the same page, actually. In the last team, then when I came on to manage the team, I actually took away all the LinkedIn recruiter licenses because that was the only way we were recruiting. And honestly, we were spamming. Our message was not Mm -hmm. consistent. There was really nothing that was driving why uh, we should be, these people should be talking to us. So yeah, what's your thoughts about LinkedIn and like LinkedIn recruiters general? Are we overusing it or am I, uh, am I off base on that one? I think we're overusing it personally. It is one of the least active social inverted commas media networks out there. Um, there's only 310 million active users. I put money on it. It spiked in the last month though, of course, um, yeah. as all the recruiters have come onto the market. But it's a very low active user base. So just because you find someone there and message them there doesn't mean they're going to see it. And that's yes. the other issue. So it's very yeah. slow. You know, I'm old school. I would always try and phone someone. Um, yeah. But I would certainly email directly to their inbox. First off, I would get off LinkedIn. Even if I started their searching, I'd be reluctant to message. Um, I think the the recruiter license can be really good and it can uh, you can earn enough fees from it or make enough hires from it to pay for it for certain sectors. But the trouble is sometimes they sell it at sectors that it's not good for. Like I've seen them sell it to healthcare for nurses. I'm like, what are you doing? The nurses are on Facebook. They don't have time to be on LinkedIn. Like, exactly. You know, and that, that I find really frustrating and, and just upsetting because it's just ripping people off that re- in sectors that really don't need that. Um, so that's probably from my value set. I have a big issue with it. But also mm-hmm. the, the whole people aren't taught how to use it. But, I mean, I'm sure you've seen this search. You go into um, manage a team and you run a search on who's using LinkedIn and no one's using it and you take it off them and they complain. You're like, but you're not using it. <laughs> like yeah, you're not exactly. even running searches on it. You're just advertising on it. Um, and I find the advertising on there strange as well because I believe 
that the average job seeker would start at Google or any of the other search engines that exist out there um, and type in, you know, recruiter jobs, Canada, enter and start there. And that's, mm -hmm. they wouldn't start at LinkedIn necessarily. So I always find that weird as well. No, I completely agree. Most job seekers do start at Google or, or indeed here in Canada. Those are basically two places where they initially start. So having yeah. some presence in, uh, on those sites are critical. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to searching, like I work in tech recruitment and I find it really challenging that basically the recruiters are using LinkedIn recruiter to go after tech talent, which are not on LinkedIn a great majority, or if they are, they're so inundated by requests from recruiters that it's just noise. They get lost yeah. in that sense. So, Oh, absolutely. I mean, remember, I'm going back a few years now, but one of my favorites, and actually I should find the tweet and see how many times it's been retweeted now, um, but was a gentleman who had finally opened his LinkedIn inbox and seen <laughs> this exquisite, I mean, exquisite message from a recruiter at Google who approached him and it was highly personalised. It took like talking like a pirate and all and watching cats videos and you name it, all the stuff that was on his profile was in this message. It was brilliant. The guy didn't open his profile, his LinkedIn for seven months. Oh, exactly. When exactly. he did, he then went and shared it on Twitter and it got retweeted something like five and a half thousand times. And then uh, it's actually his name is Winston at Google, then had to open his Twitter account to reply. And you just go, there's just so much wrong with that. Techies are all over Twitter and obviously GitHub and Stack Overflow and all that kind of stuff. But LinkedIn has a much louder marketing budget. So It does. Completely. Yeah, but it did. I don't know how it's going at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about, so we, we've talked a lot about candidates and we'll keep talking about candidates, but I want to go a little bit into um, relationships with hiring managers. So. Yep. Um, really, I think that's one of the biggest challenges that I've seen in my in my time in recruitment. So what should a recruiter or even let, let's put in perspective of a recruitment team lead manager. So how should they prepare their recruiters to be able to build relationships with the hiring managers? So I would like personally, if you're talking recruitment leaders, talent acquisition leaders, I would like them to get their team's permission to say no. So if you go to the hiring manager, you're like, I need an hour of your time. We're going to do a proper intake strategy. Chapter five of the book, beautifully written by Maisha Cannon, Tanji Pettison, Steve Levy. Bless them, helping me with that. Sit down and have proper time with them to save them hours and hours and hours and hours later, interviewing all the wrong people. Now, if that hiring manager will not give you that time, then the answer is no. You walk away until they will because you're just wasting everybody's time and ruining your reputation in the marketplace. So I would love to see that. And then, of course, you know, if you get that hiring manager who gives you the time, you use all of the exact same skills as the candidate. I mean, you're, you're Switzerland, you're neutral in the middle. So you're using all the human skills to build trust, to woo them, if you will. I always call it wooing, you know, to, to ask them, like, how was your experience with your last person that helped you? If it was bad, show all the empathy and compassion. All of the skills so that you get all the information that you're active listening from them that you need. Mm -hmm. But if they won't give you that time up front, to me, it's no, walk away. Um, because it's not fair. It's not fair on the entire like marketplace practically. Yeah. So it's not fair on the company. It's not fair on the process. Plus the hiring manager is going to end up full of angst that they're, they're interviewing all these people that are, are unsuitable. So yeah, and I think that's it is a big challenge being in recruitment as far as building that relationship. And there's a lot of times mm. that um, they will not give you the info you need, and uh, recruiters do have a hard time saying no. So usually they'll go to the yeah. market with not enough information, 
get the wrong candidate in front of the mm-hmm. hiring manager. So everyone's wasting their time. Yeah, if they took that extra half an hour to yeah. really deep dive on that job, that would save a lot well, of time. So well, I know that's usually my advice to my recruiters <laughs> and, and I assist yeah. them in that sense of, if you're not getting the time, walk away. And that will, it can do two things. It's it's going to cause uh, a little bit of stir from that hiring manager basically saying mm. what you mean. Um, so it's, it's a good time to raise that question. The second thing yeah. as well is, um, they will know you're serious about doing this. Yeah. And I think the way yeah. you propose is exactly the point being like, if we have this half, half hour and really deep dive on it, I'll be able to get you better I candidates. And again, we yeah. need to deliver on it. And, and, I, and, that, and I think it's the fearlessness and the, tr- and the trust building by doing that. Obviously, you do have to deliver on it. You're right. But you need to know your, whoever's your lead is going to back you up. Yeah. So if you mm-hmm. do do that, that mm-hmm. Shelly was going to add something and I cut her off because I'm good like that. <laughs> no, actually, you're the no, guest. Okay, yeah, you're the guest. We we want to hear you. We want to hear. I you, do this on my own show. I like cut them off. I'm dreadful. <laughs> you need to work on your active listening. I do. I told you that, and then you said, "What's good about active listening?" I'm thinking, not many thing I do. <laughs> No, it's all good. It's all good. So what I, I just wanted to say that certainly in the 10 years that I was leading recruitment teams, actually 20, but anyways, um, the what I know for sure is if you do uh, say like, let me do my job, let's, you have to give me the time. You give me the time and you hit on it perfectly when you said, I will save you weeks. I have always told my recruitment teams, you get, you do this right, you get it right up front and you can save as much as a month in time. And they're like, oh, okay. So if you tell someone that, especially if they're used to being, you know, I think hiring managers know that they're kind of used to pushing you around. Ah, you know, it's the same as last time. Just post the job, just post it, just post Mm. it. Yeah. I, I don't feel that Actually, this almost goes back to the earlier social media question. I don't think we're very good at selling ourselves. And like actually what we do and the process, you know, to recruitment to a hiring manager or manageress or whatever you want to call it, is 10% of what they do. But what yeah. we do is like our entire job. And I don't think we sit here and explain what we do. You know, right? do you understand I do all of this? Because they often think, oh, you just put an advert out and people just appear and you just put them in front of me. They don't understand. And if they don't understand that, they're never going to respect and they are going to push you around because they just think we're little administrators that they can yeah. just push around like that. Oh, so I yeah. do think there's a case for that, that fearlessness, mm-hmm. you know, that this is what I do. Do you, you know, this is the process. Let's sit together and let me show you what I do. Yeah. So awesome. I think then you can get that true partnership and it needs to be a partnership. It needs to be equal. Mm-hmm. And I love what you just said. It's 10% of what we do um, as recruiters. Yeah. So, um, no, they do. Of the hiring do. managers oh, do. Oh, of what they do. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, the intake is a huge oh, part 10%. of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, Definitely. for sure. Um, so in your book, you do talk, and I'm going to change a little bit, but I think it kind of blends in nicely here is um, something that I've, I've said from day one. And I think the reason that I was always a very successful recruiter is because I focused on being candidate centric and you talk Mm -hmm. about it in the book. And I was just, when I read that, I'm like, Oh, hallelujah. Yes. She gets me. (laughs) Yeah. And you get the importance of it because you're coming from agency side, which I did Mm -hmm. for 11 years. And like I said, I 
loved every minute of being mm. on the agency side. Uh, and I believe my secret sauce was the fact that I treated, like how I treated um, candidates that I was working mm. with, um, even when the answer was no, mm. they, I had more thank you cards from people. Anyways, tell me your take on that. What does it really mean to be candidate centric? <laughs> Maybe this is how we work out if decent recruiters are decent recruiters. Of my Facebook friends, a large majority are the IT contractors I placed all those years ago. Like that, because I was exactly like you. I mean, you should have seen what happened if their, their uh, invoice wasn't paid that month. I would go ballistic, <laughs> like it was my own personal money. The poor accounts team hated me. So I, I've always put the human first and I didn't do it for, a, it was about my commission. I just Never. did it because if I keep them happy and I take care of them, they'll stay and, they'll, and I'll get more work and I'll just get to service my clients. But I did start with a recruitment agency that was very customer uh, or client focused, do a really good job. We got to sit in on interviews. We got to properly partner. Unfortunately, by the end, that agency had turned into a cowboy agency because they got in, like bought by another and invested in and it was horrible. It's like, I call it gun to the head recruitment. You know, where you just stand up and ring up doing times per day. Oh, sorry. I'm like making the whole old fashioned <laughs> telephone thing, forgetting I'm on a podcast. Um, for anyone listening, you know, remember the old phones? If to be a certain age, you know what I'm doing. Um, okay, <laughs> it was, and, and, that, and that was, you lost that wonderful human first thing. But when I talk about that, I think it's, we've created we, we humans have created these barriers with technology. We've just worked out more ways we can put more stuff in the way of, of getting someone to apply. I mean, when was the last time any of us applied for our own jobs on a mobile phone, for example, or a cell phone, and actually worked out if we could actually apply? We possibly can't. We possibly get stopped. You know, and where we could, you know, when they send in the application, we could write back, thank you so much. I'm Katrina. I'm human. Sometimes I lose applications in my inbox. If you don't hear from me and really think you should have, could you ring me? Here's my phone number. Here's my email address. You know, Because one in a hundred is going to chase you up and they're the person you want to hire anyway, because they're so keen to work for you. So, but it's stuff like that. It was like, put mm -hmm. a human first and get the technology to do the heavy lifting stuff, but create a better candidate experience. But if you get it that way, recruitment's really easy. You know, and if you think about every single message you send and, and every call you make, that's that human on the other side and how you're coming across to them, you'll always win. A lot of recruiters would say they're, they're, they're so overwhelmed with so many different tasks that it's almost impossible to get back to all the candidates. And we obviously see a lot of candidate ghosting. It's a massive challenge that uh -huh. recruitment industry has in total. So how do you feel about that? How do you respond to someone that says, I'm just way too busy, so I miss a lot of candidates when responding. They're not getting a message. We're not rejecting them. How do you counteract that? I've always been, and I was really clear about this in the front of the book, in the low volume, like the highly sought yeah. after technical talent, et cetera. So actually, if you, you're not going to have that problem. Um, I personally haven't done high volume recruitment. And I did, I did write that in the beginning of the book because I thought if anyone thinks yeah. this is for high volume recruitment, it's really not. Yes, you um, do. Yeah. But yeah, but there are tools and technology to help you with that. So there's the most amazing pre-boarding tool called Onboarder, Inboarder. So if you give someone an offer, so I give Shelley an offer, there is no guarantee Shelley's going to turn up. So, you know, here in the UK, it's a four-week notice period. So you give your notice. There's no reason that Shelley will turn up four weeks' time because in the middle, you're having so many other people contacting you. So 
and border will help you stay in touch and they'll make sure your hiring manager is staying in touch and you're hooking people in and keeping them hooked in through the process. So that's like one example because I think people ghost in that period a lot. Yes. Um, but even through the hiring process, I mean, I talk about it in the book, Stacey Zapar says every Friday she has a blitz. So she just sits down and contacts absolutely everybody. And it could be search. I have no feedback for you, but I haven't forgotten about you. And you're like, cool. I know I'm still on Stacey's radar and that's all I care about. But it's also, and I talk about this loads in the book, don't I, that these phones, these sources of like constant reassurance. I mean, I remember being in South America and having to turn off my data and leave the hotel. I was terrified I was going to get lost and not be able to look on a map, (laughs) right? We are glued to these. We got like a text, oh, you know, like, so... People want that. They want the constant communication and the reassurance. So get the technology to do the leveraging of that. And if you're looking for the technology, ask your peers what they use for that specific problem and why, what time it has saved them. Then when you're talking to the company, has a recruiter been involved with the creation of this product? Either they created it or they were advised. Because if they didn't, move on. (laughs) Because unless it's going to save you time and energy so you can put the human first, it needs to go into the bin. The, do you well, call it the bin or the trash? Yeah, I'm not yeah, sure exactly. how, how my, my, my Australian English to Canadian Well, here in going. Canada, we call it the garbage. Is like the garbage. The, yeah, the garbage. garbage. Um, yeah. My wife is British versions. and she used, uh, she, what does She'd she call bin. it? Yeah, bin. Trash? Yeah, she calls bin. it a bin. bin. Yeah, exactly. No, it's interesting because actually I introduced Stacey Zapar at uh, the Tech Recruitment mm-hmm. Conference and that's the one, uh, when she was speaking, that's the one thing that really hit me and I've brought this mm-hmm. to my team is schedule Friday afternoon, never let a candidate uh, not know where their status is every week. And yeah. a lot of times mm-hmm. it might not be an update. It might just be, hey, we're still waiting for an answer from the hiring manager, whatever yeah. the case is, that goes a long way in building that trust. So Huge way, huge way. And no oh, news yeah. is news, right? It's yeah. it's just I I haven't forgotten about you. It's that feeling that you matter. Yeah. Oh, it makes no, a big awesome. difference. Yeah, absolutely. So we talk a lot about like we talked a lot about how recruiters um in in a way have to be really adaptable. And obviously mm-hmm. the situation we're dealing across the world right now has made recruiters <laughs> be even more adaptable. So um as a recruitment leader, one of my challenges is really adapting my team to support change. Uh, what's your overall thoughts? How can a recruitment leader work with their team to be to really support um, change uh, in the recruitment practice they're doing? Because a lot of recruiters have been doing it in the same way for 30, well, same way we did it 20, 30 years ago, even before the yeah. invent of internet and haven't improved. So what's your thoughts around that? I I just think, to me, it's that's such a complicated question. I can't pick which way to answer it. Um, the, to me, the biggest disruptor for recruitment, full stop, was the internet. Yeah. So all the tools and technologies just gotten the way since, but the biggest thing is the, the internet. And if you go back to what I was saying earlier, it opened the door. Mm-hmm. I can write reviews. I can share tweets. I can share photos. You can share evidence online of what it's like to work there, right? It's just, it's out there. So if you don't adapt to change, if you don't use the tools well, if you mistreat people, if you keep doing how you've always done, which is your, well, particularly 
you know, back in the day where the company ruled and the candidate didn't matter and you were lucky to have a job with us. I mean, that's what it was like when I started my career. And, and it was like, if you're still like that, you won't be able to recruit because the world has changed. It is very flexible. It's very adaptable. As far as right now, through this situation, what I would be asking recruitment leaders to do is to ask each individual, how are you coping? How are you coping financially, which is a really personal question, but people are struggling and people aren't necessarily because of shame wanting to share that. Then I would be, how do you want to proceed? Do you want to stay working remotely? Has it worked better for you or are you itching to get back into the office? And I think so the leaders are having to learn, actually, I've got to get really human here. And I think one of the funniest things, this is a kind of side rant that I find really funny, these big open plan offices where people sit there all day with these chunky headsets on like I've got on now and don't talk to each other. Whereas right now I can completely see into all of your rooms and I can see what you're about. You can probably just about see my dog on the floor. <laughs> um, and, you know, you get, you've seen people walk in and out. You, you get a gist of what someone's really like yeah. and it's yeah. just so much nicer. So, And, again, we had to adapt fast to that. But I bet the productivity for most people has gone up, not down. Not everyone. Some people cannot wait to get back. They need the line. They need the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one's work, one's home. But others mm. are just, oh. so that's what I mean. I think, and I think we all having a very individual experience of this pandemic. Yeah, I'm loving it. Would... Are you loving it? Are you liking it? <laughs> well, other than my income getting postponed to 2021. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> um, enough. Yeah, no, I really am. And actually it's um, what's been so beautiful is, well, one, getting extra time with my very elderly Labrador. But actually, I was getting so busy. This mastermind has been on my radar since late last year. Suddenly, it was like, I've got time to do this. This is going to really help community. And I can actually lower my impact on the planet. So it was just like, actually, this is lovely. And also, London is having the most cracking weather. As in London, UK, not the other one. I do know you've got one over there in Canada. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no one goes to that are, one, so it's okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, really? We are having the most extraordinary weather. I mean, you watch, the second we're all about allowed to go back to work, the weather will be crap. Yeah. I was going to ask you what cracking means. Uh, so oh, thanks cracking. for clarifying Sorry. that. Absolutely brilliant. Oh, really? Is that? Oh, that's yeah. No, I, I don't I even like, think that's Australian. Cracking. I just, yeah, that is a really weird expression, isn't it? I don't even think that's Australian because I've lived here for so long now. I've, I've forgotten. Um, but just brilliant weather. Well, you know, <laughs> Katrina, I'm so glad that, you know, in responding to the question about a- adaptability, that you brought it full circle back to uh, to Mastermind, because that, that's mm. really, you know, um, when I saw what you were developing and I saw what mm. you were doing, I think um, that is a gift that mm. I believe either leaders need to give to themselves because you can't teach others if you don't have it. Right. And likewise, if you don't have it, cool, then Mm. give the gift of letting someone else develop it. Because if you, you know, when you think about hiring and recruitment, if we hired, if we recruited people or recruiters that Mm. all think just the same way I do, um, you won't get that richness and diversity in, in the organization you work I for. I think it's quite hard as well because, you know, you go, okay, uh, recruitment process is missing this. We can go and buy this piece of technology, right? Or we can do this bit of sourcing training or like I'm yeah. actually saying, 
potentially, if you're prepared to actually honestly look at yourself, you might be lacking a bit of empathy or you might not be able to build trust, you know, you might be, and it's like, these are really personal qualities that I'm hitting in on. You and are. So, yes. Yeah, you absolutely. But I, are. Just, I feel everyone will come with different levels as well. And that's the other reason I love the idea that with this team working through it, it's, you know, some people will be really strong through yeah. some of them and then just week in one or two, you know, it'll, I think that's where it's going to be so much fun. It is. See how it all, I'm yeah. so excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for letting me talk so much about it. This is all <laughs> meant to be for the listener and I'm just talking about myself. <laughs> Well, that's, I think that's what the listeners want to know and what they want to understand because, yeah. you know, the whole concept of mastermind doesn't mean mm. that I, I've identified 12 things I'm not good at. So now I'm going to no. know this is about improving. And in your mastermind group, somebody is going to absolutely be, what was the word? Kraken? <laughs> yeah. no, is that right? Did I use Cracking, that properly? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll be absolutely cracking at building trust. <laughs> Right? I don't think you're saying that yeah. right. I don't I think you're saying it right. Saying right? It right. She is. No, she's she absolutely is? Right. right. Brilliant, brilliant. In the right Cracking. context. Okay. Cracking weather, brilliant weather. Yeah, okay. yeah absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so do you know, here's, uh, here's where, so thank you for bringing that back to, yeah, to Mastermind no, no, because true, I think it? it is unique and I, mm. um, you know, and I'm, I'm so encouraged that you're bringing it to the, the, the mm. talent acquisition recruitment community. Um, so here's our, here's my last question for you. Dun, Katrina. Dun, dun. Da, 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 da. So, I feel like a drum roll. <laughs> yes. So I'll add that yeah. in after. Tell us. Yeah, yeah. Would you? Yeah, you can do it like with the symbols. And um, so it is, it's 2020. We're coming out of uh, like, this is a time in history mm-hmm. that just that it's, it's a time in history. So if you could write a note that a mm-hmm. recruiter would find in either a time capsule or, you know, message in a bottle, what would you say to them? So this was the in 2050. What will I have said yeah, to in them? Yeah, and they, right they open now, it up. Right yeah, now. they open it up in 2050. But this is a message coming from 2020. From 2020, mm-hmm. we had an opportunity right now, as the human species, to see our impact on the planet. So what can you do with your hiring to reduce that impact? So for me, I'm not getting on a plane. I'm not on the trains. I'm not driving my car. I'm just here creating a product that's using the internet and still creating connection and still improving community. I've reduced my impact on the planet. So what can you do that will reduce that? Because honestly, this is such a wake up call. Mm -hmm. So what have you done? But uh, it would almost be a question like take this incredible moment. I mean, the, the skies here in London because of the reduction in pollution are so clear that we can see the stars at night and usually you can't really see them because of the combination of the light and the pollution. You know, there's dolphins in the canals in Venice, you know, you, the, the Himalayas are visible for the first time in India in 30 years, right? We are seeing our impact. So as recruiters, how can we do our job differently? Well, do we really need to get people to come in and commute all that sort of stuff? Do we, can we not use this technology like we're using now video to, to listen to, to talk to people? That, that'd be it. Embrace it. But also, my gosh, humans, let's be much more aware of how we're impacting the other inhabitants of the planet, plus ourselves. Human first. Let's get better at that or we really are going to end up just being robots. That was Thank a you. lot. That, that <laughs> I, I awesome. can feel myself getting on my Thank bandwagon. No. Okay. You know what? I loved it. I loved we it. Had really to do deep the insights for a reason. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, really deep insights. So, Katrina, yeah. we've we've taken a lot of your time. So, well, thank you. I'm going We're to end this here. But 
before we go anywhere, yes. where can we find you? So, oh this- my goodness, Google Katrina Collier. I'm dreadful. I'm like the first twenty pages. Um, no, uh, oh well, obviously LinkedIn. Um, I, the website is thesearchologist.com. Um, you'll find the mastermind there as well if you're interested. And I do other facilitation. Um, normally I'd say, oh, come and meet me at all these conferences. Um, yeah. <laughs> obviously right now they're mostly online, but I'm certainly speaking at plenty as well. So I'm quite excited about that. Um, where else can they find me? Well, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Instagram is a fun one. My favorite. Mm-hmm. Get to and see how, lots of what's, dog what's your tag on Instagram? Katrina M. Collier. <laughs> all right. I, I, M for middle name. I, I couldn't get my name. You can get the full uh, name. No, Perfect. I couldn't get Katrina Collier. Someone beat me to it. Well, I really appreciate you coming on board. It's really the info you shared was was magnificent. Um, So I really appreciate it. Thank you both. Thank you, Katrina. It was fantastic meeting you. And uh, we will schedule the 12 months from today podcast. Love it. So everyone, everyone that's listening, do go buy the Robot Proof Recruiter, a survival guide. It's available everywhere you can buy a book. So (laughs) Can I just add that the royalties from the Robot Proof Recruiter go to a charity called Hope for Justice, which aims to end modern day slavery, impacting 40.3 million people around the world. So every single purchase really matters. So thank you. Wonderful book, wonderful cause. Katrina, it's been a pleasure. Again, I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining the Recruitment Flex. Thank you. Thank you. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.